0: You're living your life, doing your thing, but they want to know that the part of the journey that you're on with them, that everything's started and finished well. And it's sort of removing those anxieties that people have around it as we, we we all do as human beings.
1: Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Master Your Business podcast. I'm your host, Deirdre Martin, thrilled to be here guiding you through this Incredible roller coaster journey of professional development that leads to business mastery. Our mission here is to keep our focus firmly on you and your growth, you and your needs, as we unpack the intricacies, the complexities, the trends and strategies all within the crazy world of business. And today we've got an episode that I've been seriously so excited to record. We're getting into the heart of your business, focusing on how to wow your customers from the inside out, spotlighting the two essential cornerstones of every successful business, in my opinion, customer service and customer experience. And you have to remember, without customers, we don't have a business. Our business does not exist without customers. Now, before I get into the episode, let me ask you to keep an open mind. And here's why. Back in 2014, I studied customer experience management. And let me tell you, it was nothing short of a life-altering revelation. And I mean that. I went into it, not with a closed mind, but with thinking, I've 16 or 17 years of experience in customer-facing roles. I've had customer you know, service training or whatever. I'd worked in call centers. I'd worked in bars, restaurants banking, I had worked in news agents, you name it, and I thought, okay, there's not much more I'm going to learn here, right? But wow, was I caught off guard in terms of the depth and breadth of what I actually didn't know, and that experience has led me to be here recording this episode today. That's what I mean by life-altering, right? Right? The realization that I had then is why I want you to keep an open mind when you listen to this episode, but here is a simple reason why. Customer experience is a lot more than what most people think it is, and that might seem so simplistic, but let me explain what I mean somewhat, right? Customer experience is actually a multifaceted domain. It's not always tangible, but it's so multifaceted that it goes typically far, far beyond the really obvious stuff. And that's what we're all about exploring today. And I am ecstatic to introduce you to one of our expert guests for this episode. This is somebody I really idolize, I look up to in the world of customer experience and somebody I've heard speak at different events. And I can't believe this guy is appearing here on this episode today. And that is Adrian Swinsco. Uh, Adrian has been described as an experimental CX thought leader and visionary. His illustrious career spans over 25 years, having helped grow customer-focused businesses, both large and small. And Adrian is the best-selling author of not one book, but actually he's written four. <laughs> But the amazing book, How to Wows, it's 68 effortless ways to make every customer experience amazing. This book has influenced an awful lot of what I do day to day with my clients, but he's also written the groundbreaking books, Punk CX and Punk XL. His clients have included powerhouses like Apple, Sky, Now TV, Philips, and many more. I'm sure you recognize those brands. Right, And today he's here on my humble Master Your Business podcast to share his invaluable insights with with me and with all of you who are listening today. And without giving it all away, in this intro part, let me just say to you, stay tuned for the full episode because... Adrian generously shares the secret sauce to wowing your customers by things like nailing the basics, but it's understanding what those basics are and they may not be what you think they are. And it's finding out how to alleviate customer anxieties by identifying and bridging the gaps, but it's how to figure out what those gaps are. That's the thing, right? And understanding why introspection, as much as external observation, is crucial for problem solving within your business. But before we dive in, here's a quick reminder. If you enjoy our show and you find it valuable, please remember to hit that subscribe button. Give us a rating. Let us hear what your thoughts are by leaving us a review. Your feedback is our fuel. It helps us continue to bring the insights and experts that can truly elevate your professional journey. All right, let's... Let's chat to Adrian. Let's go. Adrian, it's fantastic to talk to you. Uh, we're here today and we are talking about all sorts of things related to customer experience. Um, your your credentials precede you in your um in terms of the books you've written, I love the book, How to Wow, Customer Experience. Um, but why don't you, for my listeners and, and people watching us, give a little bit of background yourself. And later on, this is going to be an episode on the Master Your Business podcast, so I'll do a proper intro later, but for people watching <laughs> our live streaming now.
0: So a um, bit of background on me. I am um, I'm a trained economist. And also a trained teacher. I did kind of both things at the beginning of my uh, work journey. I've not really had a career because I think that implies some sort of plan. Um, and then I flirted with the idea of becoming a professional economist, which would require me to take a PhD. Decided whilst I got offers, I decided not to do that because I didn't really feel I had the stamina to do another five years worth of being sh- student, um, studentville, as it were, or living in studentville. Uh, so then, took an MBA. Then worked for a couple of corporates doing um, sort of like uh, new venture development, corporate strategy, that type of stuff. Left there in about 2004. Did a bunch of general consulting, but in the particularly in the corporate venturing sort of space. I how helped how do you help corporates sort of uh, what's the word uh, commercialize some of the technology that they have. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then some couple of spin-out projects. Uh, And then I liked the idea of working independently. Um, And as some projects were coming to an end, I I ran about 2008, 2009 time, I thought, actually, I need to develop this sort of footprint. Um, And I started writing. I thought, well, actually, I can see the way the market's going. So I started my own kind of website, my own blog. I started writing because I think it's my digital footprint and I started writing about general stuff you know mm. business strategy marketing business development that type of stuff and it got very boring very quickly
1: I doubt that but...
0: <laughs> well it did I right. mean for me it for me it did because it's just like it's too kind of broad and there was I didn't really figure out what like in a, in a true actor sense like what's my motivation for this um And so I figured out, actually, I need to write about something that I care about or that I don't like and I like to change. And then I figured out, actually, I don't like bad service. And that doesn't make me any different to anybody else. But it just was a thing that always frustrated me. And it always frustrated me that organizations often get in the way of their people doing a good job. And I thought, hmm because I'd built things or developed things or worked in things that had both customer and employee value kind of at their heart. And so I thought, well, actually, let me um, investigate that. And so I started writing about service, and uh, which then morphed into sort of experience. And that was back in what 2008, 2009. And we're now sort of like 15 years later. And I um Four books in. uh, I've had a Forbes column for like 10 years. I've had run, I'm running a podcast now uh, since January 2011. So it's like just over 12 years old. So I keep telling people I was podcasting when it wasn't cool and now it's cool. And I'll probably still be podcasting when it's no longer cool because I think it's just a really cool way of meeting cool people like yourself. Because I thought, so thank you for inviting me on your podcast. And it gets me to explore. All of these different sort of things and also shine a light on stuff and people that are doing cool things or have cool ideas and so the long and short of all of that is that my work then falls into sort of three spaces and i call it um <laughs> it sounds quite trendy it's like iai okay. so, um and what that stands for is i'm an investigator and an agitator and an instigator all around better outcomes for customers and our employees and businesses and so i do research and writing on service and experience i kind of i advocate for people i try and promote sort of like the things that I, that i like but i also help a bunch of companies achieve their own better outcomes along the way and so that's a not so short but brief intro to me
1: amazing oh my gosh like what what an accolade to have there as well with with all of the experience and everything you have adrian and i have read one if not two of your books what are the names of all four so just just for anybody watching they can check the check them all out
0: so the first one is uh rare business and that's that's no longer available sort of out of uh out of print but then there was how to what so that was came out in 2010 then there was How to Wow, that came out with Pierce, and that came out in 2015, 2016. Uh, And then there are these two ones, which are much more colorful. There's the Punk CX one, which came out in 2019. And then there's the follow-up Punk XL, which came out in 2021. And they're, oh, you might like this. I don't know if you've seen them. They're like full color. They're like a a fanzine. So it's really short and punchy and full of color and graphics and, and a little bit of profanity
1: is good I think sometimes you have to be a little bit prolific as well I've actually just been writing a post about that for my social media content for when I'm going to be away on annual leave and mm-hmm. uh, yeah you can't sit on the fence you have to be one way or another right
0: well that's it I think that's that the, one of the, the things you, you know you got to make des- decisions otherwise it ends up just being sort of blamange for everybody mm-hmm. it's like you don't you're not really making anybody happy or anybody mad it's just people are just generally indifferent they don't know what you stand for <laughs> Literally what you're gonna get. And it's it, and I think that's the thing that many companies fall into the trap of is not making decisions.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And when um, speaking of the books, right, and how to wow, that that has influenced me quite a lot in terms of some of the experiences that I give my clients. And a lot of the companies and, and entrepreneurs that I work with, Adrian, they're solopreneurs or uh-huh. Maybe they have small teams, and what I'd love to know is, let's say, just to give them some context, if they haven't read the book yet. Yeah. Like, what was the background behind that? Was there a particular experience or observation that led you to focus on that, or on on the how to wow piece? Like, what what brought you there?
0: No, it was. It actually, what's interesting is, mo- like most of the books, um, some I write almost in series. Hmm. and so i kind of see things you know and i just i I write and explore sort of like stuff and it all kind of comes out in this you know it's like a hose pipe dribbling hose pipe over the course of kind of the years and every now and again i take the chance to kind of always pull it all together and think about well can i synthesize that into something and the how to wow is just a was a process of synthesizing a whole and updating and and adding to and kind of reformat- formatting sort of stuff that I had been writing around about for, for a while. And it's sort of repackaging because it's, I mean, it's kind of crazy to think that people will be following you ad infinitum, as it were. And so repackaging and synthes- synthesizing up in in a way that makes it more more and easily consumable made a lot of sense. And so the How to Wow was... Was that just a synthesis, but it's also based on research and stories and case studies and interviews and just psychological insights and, you know, things that people have done that have just been very straightforward, but very clever. Like, for example, one of my favorite stories from that comes from a guy that set up this firm called Big Ass Fans in the States. They have a brilliant name. And I've spoke to Kerry Smith, the founder and CEO, recently. He's, he subsequently yeah. sold the firm and he's moved on. But one of the things that they did, which I think is brilliantly simple, but really powerful, was that Kerry employed this guy called Dave Schultz to, and he said to him, look, I pay your salary, but you don't work for me. You work for our customers. Love us. And you, I want you to go out and talk to our customers and find out what they like, what they don't like, what needs changing, what needs improving, all these different things, and bring it back into the business and we'll, kind of, we'll make those changes. And they did that, and they end up building a team around it. So most people these days would default to sending out a survey but that makes it really impersonal. Well, they were really interested in making that kind of, you know, that personal connection with people, and to show them that they're really listening and that they're willing to expend effort on their behalf to try and make their experience better. So they did that, and they they built a team around Dave to do that. Now, that business grew fivefold over six years. It went from a thirty-five million dollar business to a hundred and seventy-five million dollar business. Primarily, according to Kerry, by doing that thing and doing it consistently well, and just building on it and learning from it, and, and feeding all the, the the stuff back into the uh, the business and making changes, and they learn about things around how they package things, the sort of instructions that they they send, the ordering kind of process, like how they you know how easy it was to assemble some of their equipment it, from beginning to beginning to end, and it just impacted the whole business, and I think. I keep telling people that story, and I first spoke to Kerry about that, I think it was back in 2014, so nearly 10 years ago. And I've never heard of a business that's repeated it. Wow. And and I think the reason why is it's hard work.
1: Yeah, and And let me ask a question though, for the business, big ass fans, agree, epic name. What is the story with the uh with the size of the business at that stage? Like what did that business look like? Is that something that the people watching or listening to this podcast episode later? Is that something they could apply? Were they in the startup? Like tell us more.
0: Yeah, yeah, sure. So I mean, so they're quite an established they were quite an established manufacturing business. They had like 35 million dollars worth of turnover. Mm-hmm. So they're not an insignificant business. No. Now, but I think the same principle applies. Like whether you are a solopreneur or you are a small band of brothers and sisters or whatever, whoever it might be, um, and you're you're committed and passionate about what you what you do, then I think the, the thing that I like about that idea is that it was about it wasn't just about the feedback that they were gathering, it was also about. The amount of time they're willing to invest in their customers, to one to listen to them and to get to know them, and I think that sort of principle can apply to any business and anybody. Yeah. And to almost start to think about, to uh, people talk about walking a mile in your in in somebody else's kind of shoes, and I think uh, to develop your your insight and your empathy, and I think that's what they they did as they they just put themselves client side on such a regular basis. They built such a level of affinity and insight into their business. I think that principle applies across the piece. Mm-hmm. And, and I would have, I would encourage anybody, whatever size of business they are to, to go and spend time with their, um, with their customers and to learn about, you know, what you could do better, what, what is their kind of business like, you know, and, and to realize that also there's another thing around there's a, a, relationship dynamic in this and it's about trust and many people will do things. They will try something and then they'll get not let, not the level of response that they would like. Mm-hmm. Right. And then they will turn around and go, Oh, that does, oh, that obviously doesn't work. Yes. But here's the thing. When you're dealing with human beings, you can't just show up and people tell you everything. You're right. Right? You have to show up and then keep showing up, even when it feels sort of uncomfortable, because sometimes you have to show that you care enough for somebody then to trust you enough to tell you what matters.
1: Mm. Yeah, I totally agree with you, Adrian.
0: So it's about vulnerability in many ways. And it's about you have to be vulnerable first.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Before you can, be, before you can expect somebody else to be vulnerable, because actually, what happens is we go, oh, we like your feedback." And you're like, mm-hmm. you're expecting them to be almost kind of vulnerable. You're you showing up and you ask them for their feedback, and they're like, "Who is this person?" And is this like a one-off thing, or do I trust them? What they're going to do with it? Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so we
0: have to, we have to think about that whole thing around. We need to build trust. Mm-hmm. Before yeah. we can develop that sort of that, that open channel of engagement and transparency and transparency and, and candidness and all that good stuff.
1: That makes complete and utter sense. And and that's a message I'm, I'm always trying to drive home. And actually in one of the first episodes we did on the Master Your Business podcast, we were joined by Simone Wilson, who works for Ipsos mm-hmm. and she shared loads of insights about how to gather qualities of, information about your ideal clients for free and Mm -hmm. i think you know it's not for free because you're right the employer might be paying or you might be trying to you know you're not working with clients or getting money in you're spending that time where you're Mm -hmm. going and having those conversations but if you can take your turnover from x to y like big ass fans did it's definitely a worthwhile investment right
0: no absolutely and i think that's the thing is like in you know we we have to be careful that um, we don't default to digital and/or technological uh, solutions just because they're easier, easy. Because you know, it's we live in a in a very technologically heavy world, and we are almost programmed to pick the the easy and the convenient sort of method. But sometimes that's not the best way. Or the most valuable way in the end mm-hmm. um and it's like that Robert Frost poem is like I took the lo- the road less traveled because it was more interesting and rewarding and more, more you know more more valuable and that's the thing It's like when people are 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 zigging then you might want to think about zagging
1: oh that's a book by Marty Neumeier you know <laughs> Definitely need to check that out. But you're totally right. And one of the things, Adrian, that I'd love for you to delve into, I'm just going to put you on the spot and ask yep. you here now. And I know it's a while since you wrote the book, but I'm sure you get asked this a lot. So let me see, right? For the people watching who've never read... How to Wow, or and mm-hmm. and don't know what the principles of it are. If you could just pick three or four of those for them to take them away and action them in their business for their solo solopreneurs, or, as I say, have small teams, what would those top three or four be? Okay, which ones should they focus on? What are the most crucial?
0: So the um the first thing is that the How to Wow, the book is not about Wow service. That's the first secret. Because, again, that's the the thing. It's like wow service isn't necessarily what you think. It's not surprising and delighting people. It's about knowing and understanding and getting things kind of right, you know, um, when they're required. So at the very, very heart of the book is this idea is that doing the basics well and doing them brilliantly um. But not necessarily but it's not what you think they are it's about what your customers think they are mm-hmm. so for example here's a, here's a here's like a small business example and also small business and possibly like a consumer related sort of uh, thing so Many of your listeners will have gone through the the house buying process or even the kind of the, the house renting process, but let's kind of say it's house buying. And we know that it takes a long time. And, But what often happens is that you get to the end of a week when you're in that sort of buying process, that you've made an offer, it's been success, successful, and you're going through all that paperwork sort of stuff. And you're sort of just keeping your fingers crossed that everything's going to be fine. But when you get to the end of the week, you don't get an update from your solicitor, your lawyer, and then you end up waiting to see what's going to happen the next week. Now, how easy would it be for your lawyer to turn around or your solicitor to turn around and send you an email and go, now, Deirdre, just just to kind of, keep you updated everything's on track no need to worry everything you know we'll kind of we've got x y and dads that expect to happen next week go and enjoy your weekend Mm
1: -hmm. yeah
0: how would you feel about that
1: amazing oh my gosh your weekend would be just so much better because you're relaxed you know where everything is and like what I'm hearing reading between the lines in that and not paraphrasing directly but So what I'm hearing is the basics are the things that people don't know that they need or expect, but doing them so that they don't notice they're missing.
0: Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. So it's it's that sort of idea. So you think about, put yourself in the shoes of your clients Mm -hmm. and go, think about the the things that they might be concerned about Mm -hmm. at certain points in time and ask yourself, what do you do? Yeah. How do you respond? And now, if you go, oh, they're probably concerned about that. Or if I was a client and I was waiting for that, then I might appreciate an update just to let me know thumbs up, everything's on track. We'll see you tomorrow, whatever it might be.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And those little things are important. It's a bit like, and it seems to happen in cultures around the world when it doesn't matter what age you are, like, say, you go and visit uh a relative or something and then you're you you arrive and then you visit and then you leave and they go text me when you get home so I know that you get home safely enough and you're like you don't speak to them for months on end you're living your life doing your thing but they want to know that you've that the part of the journey that you're on kind of with them that everything's going kind of started and finished well and it's sort of removing those anxieties that people have around it as we we all do as human beings and this translates into business so my challenge would would be to to say is like what is the, what are the little things that you can do that might just reduce some of these anxieties or fill in some of the gaps that would go um, a small way to sort of building the relationship Cause a lot of that, so a lot of the time it's, we can learn from our own experience in relationships. Mm-hmm. He, um, and, you know, the the phone call here and there, the text message, the kind of the cards, like all these different sort of things, all these little touches can make the, the, the difference. Cause it means that actually I'm keeping you in mind. Yes. You're important to me and therefore I'm doing this. I am thinking about you. Now you might turn around, you might go turn around and go like, ah, I don't really care. It doesn't really matter. Because you're showing that you care.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And that you're showing you that you care about their experience and the service that you provide. Some people go like, oh, it's a small thing. Hmm? Yeah. But small things, lots of small things. Add up. Exactly.
1: Yeah. All these little,
0: all these little touches, like another example, because this takes a little bit of an inconvenience. I remember, this is like a non-technical example. I remember going to a hotel once and I arrived late at night and arrived in a cab, got my bags out, met at the door by the uh, the the bellhop. They said, look, fine, can I take, I'll take your bags. I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, fine. And they said, like, can I have your name and we'll make sure I take it up to your room. And I didn't think anything. Anything of it, I was like, "Fine, that will be fine. That just means I don't have to drag them in." And then I walked up the stairs and down the, the uh, in, into the reception. And when I got to the um to the desk, the person that was on the on the on the reception just slid a form in front of me with a pen and said, "Good evening, Mister Swinscoe. I'll need it's late. I'll get you straight up to your room. Here's your room key. Need a signature here. We'll get all the passport and everything else in the, in the morning." I'm like going, "What?"
2: It's um, magic.
1: It's, yeah, I love that. That's so simple. The use of your name,
0: because the bellhop had taken the things and then phoned the reception. Mr. Swinsk was coming into this. Have all his stuff ready.
1: Amazing. I love that. The simplicity of it, but the impact is powerful. Right.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's opportunities to do a lot of those sort of things in in any sort of business. But how you communicate with people, how you keep in touch with kind of people, all these little extra things. It doesn't need to be extra in that it's like a bunch of flowers or a little chocolate on a pillow or any, any of this sort of this sort of thing. It's just about sometimes the basic stuff, the basic stuff that we know as human beings are is important. And that they're like really nice to nice, nice to have. Um, and so. I think. Figuring out what those things are and experimenting with those things in your business can have a profound impact on the service and the experience that you, that you deliver, because many people get caught up in the doing and they forget that, that everything has like a service wrapper around it. And so I think those things are important, but the thing is we, we skip over them often and, and don't give enough importance.
1: Yeah, that makes total sense. And I mean, I'm even picturing back to that lawyer solicitor prepping the work for somebody's home purchase, but maybe just so caught up in the doing, engaging with the other solicitor that they're like, yeah, I'm working on it, they forget to communicate that to the client. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, so so it's like it's that sort of thing as they get caught up in, and I think it's a thing where it's it's a an issue that is common to many businesses that get caught up in the the, the technical doing mm. of stuff and the stuff they get paid for, that they forget about the things that they don't get paid for, but the things that make all the difference.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. And, okay, so I know the answer to this, right? Well, I think I okay. do. But uh, expanding on that then, so for a company who are, again, small business owner, starting out, what is the best way – to help make sure that they get those basics right separate to speaking to their customers. How can they implement that?
0: So I would say actually, kind of one is there, there's um think about who your customers might be. If you're just starting out, here's a thing that um that I think that many people could do, but they don't do it. And that is the and it involves going out and talking to customers. Um and potential customers but the first thing you should do is you should start doing your own market research
2: okay. but
0: not don't call it market research no call it like a market study
1: mm. sounds so much better already <laughs>
0: right and you want to interview them because they have they play a prominent role in that kind of local business community whatever it is and you want to canvas kind of their opinion because th- their opinion is important so yeah. it's psychology 101 it's like What's everybody's favorite topic? The thing that they can talk the most about at any point in time?
1: Mm-hmm. Themselves. Yeah.
0: And so if you go and say, I'd like to, you know, draw on your, you know, your expertise, if you may, and I'm going to put together, I'm going to do all these different things, have a plan, to interview all these different sort of folks. And talk about what you do and some of the challenges and pull it all together and then you're willing to share it with them kind of afterwards so they get this a broader view so it's not just them it's like a broader view some of their you know their peers and other people in the in the in the in the marketplace then what you end up doing is you end up getting a chance to have a really open and honest and candid conversation with people which is not doesn't have all the the, the stresses and the anxieties of a sales conversation. So you get to know people
2: mm-hmm. and
0: they might turn around and go like, so tell me about what, what are you doing? What are you planning on doing? And they're like, and you go, oh, da, da, da. and you're like, Oh, why don't you come and talk to me about that?
1: And um, What would you say Adrian is the best way then to apply that learning?
0: Well, the thing that I think would, uh, I would, I would, do is that you do all these interviews, you gather it all up, you produce the report, and then you can you you see what it's going to um, what it's telling you about what people value and what would be important for them. And then you you end up with a, a bit of a checklist or a bit of a, a hit list where you, of things that you can pick out of and go, this is these are the things that some of the things I'm going to make central to the to the work that that I'm going to do.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And so then. Your work isn't necessarily just you describing it, it's also customer described. And but one of the one of the challenges is that people don't won't do something like that or something similar or akin to that because it doesn't strictly fall into the marketing or the sales bracket. It's sort of an indirect way of doing things, Mm -hmm. where you're coming at things sort of indirectly, but actually because you're focusing on understanding and relationships, and actually that might drive interest and demand conversations.
1: Yeah, it does. It's happened to me twice. Yeah. Right. I'm always encouraging people to do that. I encourage people to do that at, at the start of a brand strategy part, because there's mm-hmm. no point building a brand until you're clear on your customers and their pains, needs, wants. What do they pull their hair out and lose sleep over is, is you know, that's what you're trying to figure out. And if it's the things that you're doing, well, that's not good, you know? Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, so it's figuring out what would make them pull their hair out and make sure that you don't do that in your business, right? Yeah. Yeah. And is there anything else on that then that they can do to apply all of those learnings and and make sure they're really getting those basics right?
2: Um, Well, that's a good question. I mean, I think the thing that, um, the one thing I would say is that um,
0: you don't, I mean, like know your own mind um is what I would say is that because a lot of people get caught up within this this idea that they have to do all these things that other people are doing Mm there feels like it's a playbook yes I have to do this and I have to do this and I have to do this after this and I'm like do you really Mm -hmm.
2: um
0: and so decide kind of what what you want. I mean, I think that the 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 best thing I would say that you that that I would suggest people kind of do is envisage and imagine kind of what it is that you want to create. Sorry. Tell yourself a story about what you're building and what's it going to be like. What's it going to feel like for your customers? What's it going to be like for you? How is it going to work? Um, because I think when you do that, you can come up with this one line which says, oh, this i got this vision. It means nothing. It means nothing until you take it down to that level where you're actually starting to describe how things work in practice. Yes. Was it feels like what you're going to do in order to do that like for example i'm really lucky in that i set on i set out on this journey that so i don't like campaign based marketing and i hate selling i just don't like it so i set out on this on this journey with an idea that i'd like to build something that which was inbound it was like an inbound mar- uh, magnet as it were that I would develop a reputation that stuff would just show up for me. Now, it takes longer than you think. And you sometimes have to do a bunch of stuff that just to keep the wheels on the bus, as it were. But I'm happy to say, happy to say, if you, if you end up putting the time in and believe in what you're doing and you keep kind of going and you keep learning and you keep adding and things, then there's a pretty good likelihood that, that, it's going to work for you i mean and so i'm happy to say that right now i don't do any marketing and i don't do any selling really all the stuff that i do comes to me now that doesn't make me a rich man but it makes me pretty wealthy
1: Mm -hmm yeah and i imagine wealthy in terms of your mindset as well because it's aligned with you that's what you you're doing what you want to do what you love to do and making an income from it and making an impact all at the same time how bad is that (laughs) well
0: exactly i get i say to people like i get paid to do stuff i like with people i like
1: isn't that (laughs) what we all want
0: (laughs) so i sometimes have to go like i have to pinch myself every now and again and just go (laughs) really but no you just keep work hard stay focused do the things that you believe in keep mm. trying to help kind of people do stuff that's of you know of of you know of of value um play the long game uh be um empathetic be kind of like uh care about kind of people want to understand how things uh how things are and what you can do to make things different and also being able to Say no, I'm, I'm not going to be able to help you.
1: Mm, but I might yeah. know some.
0: But I might know somebody
1: who can. Well. Mm, I completely agree with you. I've I've done that often actually with people who have come to me for different things, and I've sent them elsewhere. I think that's, I think morally, it's the right thing to do as well. Um, mm-hmm. but equally from a customer experience, and 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 my my perception of that, Adrian, is that. If they're not 100% going to be a good fit for you or, you know, the, the problem that they have, you don't have the exact solution to, and it's not within your remit or wheelhouse to figure it out. Well, you're not, you're, you're going to lose your mojo to a certain extent. And that experience, the basics are going to be harder to get right.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely. And I think that's a, the, it's the thing. It's like like, the other thing I've, I, I've learned is that it will always take longer than you think.
1: Yeah, my coach says that we overestimate what we can achieve in the short term, but underestimate what we can achieve in the long term.
0: Yeah, so be clear what you want to do. Be clear what you want to be, what you want to build. Get going, keep going. Even when it's hard, do it. You know, keep doing it. So here's a confession for you. (laughs) Um,
2: I love it. I
0: find writing really hard sometimes.
2: Mm.
0: So almost like nine times out of 10, it's a hard process for me. It feels really masochistic. It feels like I'm like whipping myself with the birch twigs. Every now and again, you have an idea and it's like, okay, done, it's done, it's out. But often I have to wrestle with things to get them in the way that I want them. Um, in the message that I want to say. And I do it for two, for two reasons. One is that I want it to be good enough to me to be able to explain things in the way that I want to explain things and knit it all to knit it all together. I think mm-hmm. that I deserve it, but also people that might want to read it deserve it sort of too. Um, but even if it's hard, um, I continue to do it. And because I think it's worth it. I actually enjoy the outcome. It's a bit mm-hmm. like it's a bit like training for a marathon. Well, I imagine it's a bit like training for a marathon. My, my wife would be a better judge of this. She didn't like the training, but she liked the you know she liked the marathon or the end the end of the marathon, as it were. Yeah. And for me, I like the outcome of it, the finished kind of product. Sometimes the process is 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 hard work, but just because it's hard work doesn't mean to say that it's not worth it. Because mm-hmm. no nothing that's ever good or great is easy to come by.
1: Agreed. Yeah. Completely agree with you. 100% Adrian. Okay. So I'm sorry, I interrupted you and brought you down a little tangent in terms of those three or four things, but I just had to delve into that. And I think you've probably given three or four more, but just if I could focus your mind back to that question to see if there are anything else. So I think what I was asking you was from the book, are there three or four concepts essentially that small business owners can take and apply or should focus on they're really crucial right now so um, the basics
0: was right so I think the thing that I would say is like so the, the, the book is built around a sort of framework so there's a bit of a, a customer journey framework which is goes awareness engage serve retain refer and we should th- you can think about those things as is as, as different s- sections and then there's a an inner flywheel within that which is uh, communicate motivate and lead and so I think that the point of it is that you can think about your customer journey but you also need to think about the internal workings of your of your kind of firm because your external service is only ever going to be as good as your internal service mm-hmm. uh, how you work together and how you help each other kind of help your customers kind of succeed and so I think that's the the the, the, um, the book is based around that now You put me on the spot and that there's 68 different sort of things and and i'm
1: well let me bring you down another rabbit hole there based on what you said because i think that's really interesting like the external service to your customers is only going to be as good as the internal communication processes everything but in your experience with the companies you've worked with which are they inclined to spend most time on or you know make mistakes with is it the focusing too much internally focusing too much externally or you know getting that balance like what's what's that like
0: well I think the thing that the people generally focus on is when they think about service they think about external service and they forget mm-hmm. some of the inner workings and that becomes a mistake so it's a bit like polishing your car but not having the engine serviced mm-hmm. it's a bit like it looks nice but it do not go <laughs> you know um yeah. But the other thing I was going to say, actually, really, particularly for a, a smaller business audience, um, one thing I would, I would say that around that sort of that journey around sort of awareness, engage, serve, and then retain and refer, the bit right at the end, referrals, I, that's really important for smaller businesses, particularly solo on, entrepreneurs. Yeah. Um, now, here's the thing I would, I would say to them. Is that yes, you want referrals, you want to generate testimonials, you want referrals, you want introductions, you want all of these different sort of things. Um here's the thing I want I would say to people that they should pay attention to. And is the idea is that these things they can happen by magic, just happen. But if I if you ask most people like How would you refer somebody to somebody else's business? Most people will be like, "Hmm, I don't know. Because it's not necessarily as easy as we think it might be. Mm -hmm. So sometimes if you want to generate referrals or you want to generate introductions, sometimes you have to think about, well, how can I make it easy for that person to refer me or to introduce me or... Kind of whatever it might be sometimes you need to just equip them or you know give them the materials and the knowledge and the understanding you know that they do rather than just going oh it'd be great if you could refer me to a couple of people They go like well how
2: mm-hmm. or who
0: and who exactly yeah. and so that's something to think about is like actually being more intentional about a referral program is something that's probably going to going to add um, a be kind of helpful. Um, and then the other thing I would say is that people talk about loyalty and retaining customers. And there's all sorts of studies that, that, that show that businesses think that, that customers don't remain loyal to them because of price and quality issues. And that can be farther from the truth. Customers generally don't stay loyal to you based on the sort of the service and the experience that they get. Mm-hmm. And there was a study that was done, oh, some time ago, but I still think its results are, are relevant. And it showed that 90% of all loyalty is driven by two points on a customer's journey. And it splits sort of like what? It's about 50 40 sort of thing. And 50% of the initial loyalty is driven by what happens around when somebody buys something.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And if you think about that from a psychological perspective, that makes sense because actually when we're spending our money and making a decision about something, we want to feel good about it. We want to feel right. We want to feel that we've made the right sort of choice.
1: Yeah. No buyer's remorse.
0: Right. So that's kind of like the thing. So think about that. So that's getting that right. Mm-hmm. Making that better could drive a lot of, a lot of loyalty. And then the, the remainder, say 40, 40, 40 45%, whatever. Um. Of the, the, the remaining 40, 45% of the kind of the, uh, the of the 90% comes from is driven by what happens when things go wrong. Hmm. Because as human beings, we understand that things happen and things go wrong. And one yeah. of the things we don't like as human beings is we don't like risk, and uncertainty, and disappointment, and failure, and all these different things. And so when we stumble, we want somebody to catch us, mm. to take away that risk. Problem is, is most people want to uh, think about loyalty and stuff. They think about rewards programs. Yeah, That's only about 10% of all of that. That's like the icing on the cake.
1: If you mm-hmm. want to drive
0: real loyalty, it's like focus on what happens around the buying experience. Do you make right. people feel good and feel right about what they're doing? And then also, when things go kind of wrong, or when things things are in use, are you making it easy for them when they kind of when they have questions, they want answers, they want support, all these different sort of things? If you do that, those two things right, and focus on those two things, you'll drive much more loyalty through your business.
1: Okay I love that and one of the questions I have is it I'm always jealous sometimes well not always I'm sometimes jealous Adrian of product based businesses where mm-hmm. some it's transactional quite often and then you know if something goes wrong there's an opportunity to fix it you replace mm-hmm. the product you fix it whatever it is but for service based businesses it's very different and so with that post purchase piece that's a bit of an alliteration there. That post-purchase piece. With that, how what can people do to affirm that the client has made the right decision in a service-based business, so that that buyer's remorse is non-existent, especially if there's a big investment up front.
0: Right. So you can take so you can take the lawyer example
1: mm-hmm.
0: again, like buying the house. Right. That's a big sort of like transaction type thing. Yeah. And one of the things that we kind of that we forget is that. Um, if it's a service-based thing so whether it's an accountant or a lawyer or kind of whatever it might be, generally we don't really understand and have no way of knowing or judging how good a how good of a lawyer or an accountant or a tax advisor or an investment advisor you are.
2: Mm-hmm. We
0: don't we look at reputation and we go ah, it also seems good but we don't really and we don't really have the ability to measure kind of quality or understand quality.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So we measure people's expertise in the things that measure people's expertise, not by our understanding of the things that they're expert in, but the things that we're expert in. Okay. I, for example, it could be how you answer the phone, what your reception looks like, how you word your emails, how often you update me, kind of what your if you're a restaurant, what does your bathroom look like when you're kind of in having, you know, having a meal? What is the, kind of, what is the booking process like? All these little things, which is... you would think are not central to what you do to your service, but all those other things. Mm -hmm. But even on the kind of the product side of things, I would say that even product businesses are, they ignore the service side of things as well, because actually you buy a product, but somebody has got, will have a journey with that product. So it's in your interest and this is almost like an idea from software as a service sort of thing. It's in your interest to make that person successful. Yes. So it might be that they buy it and then you go a couple of days later, you maybe send them an email, go, Hey, how are you getting on? Here's some top tips for getting the most out of that product that you can have bought, blah, 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 blah. Did you know this? Did you know this? Here's what somebody could have shared with us that they did, which is kind of, that's kind of cool. You might be able to use that, you know, all of these things about being successful with a product. So you, people then maximize their use of something and then they go, oh, it's brilliant. The likelihood then Bubba, is that they'll talk positively and possibly more likely buy when they need something else. Or if somebody asks them about it, they're more likely to go, you should check out Deirdre's product company because they're brilliant.
1: Mm-hmm. They're
0: not just flogging your stuff is that they're really interested in what you do and how you do it.
1: Yeah. I love that. And that makes total and utter sense. And I know I'm caught for time, but I have so many things that I still want to ask you, Adrian. And I'm gonna I'm gonna bring you back to something that you touched on earlier when you when you did a bit of an intro and you talk talked about digitalization and mm. a lot of companies may be focusing a little bit too much in terms of technology and digitalization in, in terms of customer experience. And there's so much happening around AI, and ChatGPT has taken the world by storm this year. And I understand how important it is not to lose the human touch, but what do you see in terms of trends that might emerge in 2024, 2030, you know, in, in the next number of years, what's coming?
2: Um,
0: so I think you'll get, I mean, I think you'll get the, I mean, it's like what happens in in, in most cases is that you end up with the mass market or the majority of people go it's like a herd mentality down this one track mm-hmm. um and then people get caught up about all these different sort of things and it becomes very hype driven i mean i would say the emergence of generative ai is absolutely a game-changing thing um i believe will it change everything who knows we'll see um but what i would say to people is yes experiment, but like And I would say embrace the possibility and experiment with it, but don't get carried away by the hype. Yes. Because what we need to remember is that it's your business and there's usually a person at the beginning of of the process and a person at the end of the process. And we need to make sure that um, we apply the the human touch and human ingenuity and creativity and sensitivity and all these different things at the most appropriate of places Mm. and that might be that we go heavy on it or we go uh, in some places and lighter on it in other places and a way to think about it if i may just before we go before we go is think about a chart which is like a two by two matrix but let's say it's a chart and if you have a vertical axis which goes on the bottom end, it goes low tech, and then it goes to the top. Where it says high tech, and then the horizontal um, axis it goes low touch to high touch,
2: mm-hmm.
0: right? And so you've got these different coordinates. You have like a, a low touch, low tech, low touch, high tech, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. and you can plot different businesses on that just gives you sort of an example. The question I would, I would ask people is to ask yourself, where does your current business sit? Mm-hmm. And where would you like it to be? Now, it doesn't have to move to a different quadrant. It might, be, might move by gradients within the quadrant, You know, it might be you might be high touch, lower tech sort of thing, mm-hmm. and you might want to move it to high touch, high tech. Yeah. And then the challenge becomes, hmm, what's the tech bit?
1: Yeah. And integrating the two seamlessly. Hmm. But then you, Have you got but, any examples of that?
0: Oh crumbs! Like for example, let's say something that is kind of say low tech, low touch would be a. So you get like a farmer's market which is a self-serve fruit and veg kind of uh, f- veg stand and they've got like got the baskets and the bags and everything else and you just go help yourself knock yourself out and then we cash up kind of here and mm-hmm. it's a pretty straightforward sort of thing to something which is i don't know um on the fruit and veg side of things which is polar opposite was you get one of those like modern day remember the modern day kind of like uh, village store vans that used to get that used to go around the remote villages i remember when i used to live in the borders of scotland i used to grow up there and you used to have the the van that used to come around that used to sell all these kind of like bits of produce and milk and cheese and all these different things people are are developing this as like a self-driving vehicles that just go around neighborhoods which is like a vending machine on wheels Ooh. Where well, you go and it kind of shows up, it might go play a, like an ice cream van sort of thing. And you sit there and you come in, and you go like, oh, yeah, I want that, that, that. And you go, Boop, pay for it with your card and it opens up, and drops it out and you get your thing.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: That'd be a high tech version of a low tech thing. Now, there's space for both of those things. Yeah. But it's all dependent on what your business kind of wants to be. Or like what we've also seen with all this kind of advanced technology is we've seen also a lot of people doing a lot more artisanal things like handmade stuff
2: mm.
0: uh, like a handmade dress or a suit or shoes or whatever it might be
2: mm. and
0: yeah that could have a, a technolo- technological wrapper around it I mean, in terms of sizing advice booking appointments all these different things but actually the experience of itself and making something could be very low tech in, in inverted commas because oh. that's what you're buying
1: you have spoken literally about a client that I've had before, an amazing client based in Ireland here, and she makes handmade frames with little pictures of Ireland inside them, but her whole process to purchase it is tech, you yeah. know? But the whole thing is handmade, sustainable, and it's fabulous. And, and she can speak two people remind me of that. Yeah. And I that's mean-
0: the thing is you can men- you can meld these things together but when you get a distinct view
1: mm.
0: on what it is you're trying to do, where you are and then you can start exploring like, well, how can I change that? If I wanted a bit more touch or a bit less touch and a bit more tech or a little bit more tech, what does that mean?
1: Mm. And Adrian, what else do you see happening in terms of the future of customer service and customer experience that businesses should be prepared for?
0: Um, I think that um, I don't think service and experience is necessarily in a good space right now. I think there's um there's a lot of big companies that say that they care about it, but they've got under so many kind of pressures, they're not necessarily investing in it and they're not necessarily making the advances that many of us would like them to see. Um I think that um but I also recognize it's difficult for bigger organizations to change. Um it's more difficult for bigger organizations to change, It's just more complex and got a lot of legacy issues to deal with um, and therefore i think that what we'll see is if larger organizations don't um get their act together we'll see more new entrants disrupting kind of the field because here's the thing service and experience matters and it matters even more when things are tight and people's budgets and purses are under pressure Mm -hmm. um and so i think we'll still see a time where we'll get we'll we'll still see innovation we'll see disruption we'll see kind of many um of these established brands still getting knocked off their purchase and stuff and so there's room and space for smaller businesses to do good things if they get things right and they do things with enough heart and commitment and care you know it you know, there's space to stand out.
1: Yeah. And the basics are never going to change though either, right? Mm-mm. So it's building no. on that. Yeah. Okay. Final question before I, I wrap up with you, while I have you, I'm taking advantage of you, is what is the biggest mistake that you see businesses making when it comes to service and experience and how can they avoid it?
0: Um I would say that um Okay, here's one thing. Uh, I would say that businesses get caught up in the idea that they have to, you know, particularly when it comes to their customers and thinking about serving their customers, that they have to keep adding things to it, like adding channels, like well, we need to be on social or we need to have a chat bar or we need to kind of this and that and the other, all these different things. And one of the challenges with that is that it just, unless you've got it all integrated together in a from a technological perspective, it can be hard work to kind of to do that. Because if you're not if you're not going to add the requisite amount of extra resources in to kind of manage all of that, then you end up trying to do more with less. You you sort don't of dilute your
1: business. Don't dilute, you? dilute, don't you're diluting just, your yeah. diluting
0: your um your resources. Mm. What that, but, but what it also ignores, it also ignores the fact that um, we know as human beings that we will pay, we will travel for better service and a better experience. We'll pay more for a better service and a better experience. Yeah. And we do this in the physical world.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Here's the thing is that we will also do it in the digital world. So we will travel. It's easy to travel in the digital world. It just means going to a different tab. Think about it this way How many channels does Amazon serve its customers over?
1: Gosh. Well, they have, as in omni channel, so they have website and app, right? Just two? That's it? Yeah.
0: Now, within that, you have to log in, and within that, you can, if you need to, you can find a phone number. Etc. cetera, et cetera, if you need to, but you have to be logged in so they understand what's going on. And then you'll get, ch- you'll get chat and you'll get email and messaging and, and bots and all these different things within that. But they're literally managing everything over two channels.
1: Mm. And so the businesses that are complicating it, what other ones are they adding in?
0: Well, they're kind of, what they're doing is that, you, you know, that the interesting thing about Amazon, Amazon going, sets its stall out and goes, here's what we do. Here's where we are. If you want it, you can you can do it. Oh, by the way, you have to be logged in so we understand what's going on all of the time.
2: Mm-hmm. If
0: you want to buy it, so as soon as you log in, they have got all of your order history and everything else. As soon as you reach out to them, go, hey, it's all there in front of them. So they're controlling it, they're setting their stall out saying this is this is it. What many other companies do is they keep adding all these channels. Like it's like, oh, we've got phone and email, and then maybe Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, and then a live chat and a bot with live with live chat escalation and so on and so forth right and if you don't have all those things connected and people aren't kind of logged in then you end up having to go through all this verification sort of like kind of process and it just gets complicated Mm -hmm. but I think the kind of the 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 value of it is that um it's from an Amazon's perspective they're setting the stall out they're kind of you could say that oh they're different yeah maybe they are but the principle is the same is they're going we're gonna focus on being great here. And if you want it, this is the this is the deal.
1: Yeah.
0: And most most places that we kind of hold up as being as being good are sort of doing the same thing. Apple does the same thing. Been yeah. doing it for decades. It's like a secret hiding in plain sight.
2: Mm-hmm. You got yeah. like they
0: got the website, you've got uh, you've got the store, and you got their app.
1: Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah, you're so right. And yeah, so how can they avoid making those mistakes? Just keep well, it simple.
0: Keep it simple. Think about the idea is that um, there's a principle that says if you're, adding a cha- if you're adding a channel, adding something to your business, then you're automatically adding complexity to it. Mm. So maybe the challenge is, is if you're adding one thing, if you don't want to add more complexity to your, to your business, Think about two things that you can take away.
1: Oh, I love that. And actually, I've recorded an episode that as we record this has not gone live yet, but it's with a simplicity strategist about how to simplify your business. And it's not just about the channels and all of those things, but it is about that complexity and the offers that you have and, you know, where you're showing up. She does talk about that. And it's kind of like decluttering your desk and your business and all of the things, and it makes total sense, especially when you say that. And I mean, because who doesn't aspire to be like Jeff Bezos or, you know?
0: Well, maybe not right now, because he seems to have taken kind of um, he's taken up kind of bodybuilding and wearing kind of cowboy hats <laughs> and kind of aviator shades and kind of wearing cowboy boots. So and and turning him into into like a you know a space junkie, but. You know that's another another kind of episode, perhaps, but the another
1: um, episode entirely <laughs> okay.
0: I think that but it's just a principle you might say that's just too hard. We need to add this on because this is this is us just expanding our our suite, and you're like going that's fine, but the principle still stands mm. is that we sometimes add things without thinking about the the unintended consequences of the addition of things, and we get drawn and get led by what other people are doing rather than um, deciding kind of what it is that we want to do. So again, I go back to that kind of point around what's the vision that you have of, uh, you know, of something like, Mm -hmm. for example, say for, for example, like first direct bank in, um, in the UK is a primarily a, um, they're a telephone based bank. And then they, you know, and then they had a website and the website was informational to start with. Then they de- started to develop the capability, and but they they still handle a lot of their stuff by phone because mm-hmm. they know that that's important to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it's it's that of so being very clear about what you what you stand for and what you you know and and what you want to do, and then make sure that the things that you add to it doesn't take you away from that. Yeah. But you add War. you retain the kind of the. The human touch where it's appropriate, where it adds value, Mm -hmm. it adds connection, it builds engagement. But then think about how you can enable that and support that with technology around it. So you don't need the human touch in place necessarily in in some places that doesn't fit, Mm
1: -hmm. but the other
0: places you might do.
1: I love that. I love that because there are things you can systemize and automate, but the human touch, there's so much to be said for that. And I think what's interesting about that too is like Google changed all of their algorithms coming into 2023. And two of the biggest things that they looked for are authenticity and relatability and no amount of tech can really help with those things. Sure. They can't. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. and, And, and sure. And particularly when you add in that sort of generative AI piece, and you've got this idea that people are going to be are going to be um, generating a slew of um, AI generated sort of content and stuff. Now, are the tools capable of spotting AI generated stuff? Yeah, sometimes. Um, and they'll get better at it, but I think the uh, that this is google's going kind to of game there they, they you know they have the the personnel and the technology that are going to is going to keep them in front of them. they are they're they're trying to find stuff that which is individual and different as you say authentic and engaging and um and 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 provides value um i think it'd be an interesting um it's going to be an interesting kind of next couple of years with that whole that whole space but um i would say that with the technology and things is that don't be led by the technology i think be um experiment learn about it be informed about it but Mm -hmm. in the end it's your business and your customers and the technology is only a tool it's not the answer
1: I love that. Technology is only a tool. It's not the answer. I will be quoting that from here on in, Adrian. <laughs> Thank you. And several other bits that you've shared today. Thank you so, so much for joining me today. Live on an impromptu live stream as well as the podcast. So uh, there have been some lovely messages in while we've been chatting, really insightful conversation. Uh, people have talked about, you know, what does somebody do if they're pulling their hair out, but they're bald? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's that's quite funny thank you for sharing sean uh so final thing adrian what's coming up for you 2024 and beyond where can people find you all of that good stuff
0: uh well 2024 and beyond well i'm pretty sure i'm going to be doing the uh more of the same i think i'm in a i am in I found my groove and uh i be doing more of my investigation and and uh, agitation and, and instigation of kind of better customer kind of outcomes. Um, I will. Oh, I don't know, maybe a new book, who knows, start a new book, possibly. I'm, I have it on my list of things that I want to try and get sorted this year is come up with an idea for a new book, which I can develop in, in, in 2024. But that's, that's still on the, the, the to do. Things are still kind of um, becoming clear. But the one thing I would say is that 2024 is going to be a leap year. So, you get one more day. Um, so, I would say take a day for yourself.
1: Not for your customers? Uh,
0: take a day for yourself.
1: Mm. I, I'm going to take your uh, your advice there and do that. I'm booking off the 29th of February. So, I'm not available. It's probably a Sunday now, knowing my luck. Adrian, thank you so, so much again. Uh, pleasure having you on the show. And anybody who's listening to the podcast, I'll share all of Adrian's details below in the show notes. And thank you very much for listening. Thank you, Adrian.
0: My pleasure. Thank you so much for asking me on.
1: I don't know about you folks, but I am feeling inspired. What a roller coaster ride it's been today as we explored how to wow your customers from the inside out with the amazing Adrian Swinscoe. I hope that you, like me, are leaving this episode with a head full of insights and expanded understanding of the vast and intricate domain of customer experience. All of Adrian's insights are surely food for thought for all of us in the professional services industry. And the part that I'll be working on, I'm gonna share it here with you for some accountability, The part that I'm going to be working on in my business is driving the loyalty by thinking about how I can improve that post-purchase stage. Thankfully, I'm not really needing to master the art of damage control when things don't go as planned because they generally do. But I'm also going to focus on that aspect because I believe in having a plan and being prepared. There's nothing worse than being thrown off your game because something doesn't go to plan. And whilst... You know, you don't need to be creating anxieties for yourself and your business. I think just having some ideas about what you might do in certain situations can help when things don't go right. I'd love to hear what actions you're going to take. And feel free to send me a DM on social media or pop me an email and let me know. My email address is info at martin.ie. So my heart Felt thanks to Adrian for sharing his wealth of knowledge and experience with us. And of course, a big thank you to you, listeners, for joining us on this journey of mastery. Each episode of the Master Your Business podcast, it's a step forward on your path to whatever success looks like for you. And before you sign off, just a quick reminder: if you found value in this episode and you'd like to support our mission of supporting entrepreneurs like you, please hit that subscribe button. Give us a rating, leave a review. Your feedback genuinely fuels us. It's the driving force that enables us to keep bringing you insights and experts that elevate your journey. So until next time, keep that open mind, stay curious, and most of all, keep mastering your business.